I'm sitting in my room right now. It's sunny outside and spring is in full bloom. White and pink flowers blossom on my neighbor's apple tree outside. But not everyone has this view, especially those living in cities. That's why we're talking about urban farming today. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Two Minutes to Midnight, a global podcast for a global problem. My name is Julia Brunner. And I am Ayushi Shah. So, in today's episode, Ayushi interviews Priyanka Shah of Aiketi, a sustainable urban farming company based in Mumbai, India. Priyanka tells Ayushi how you can let summer greenery into your room and shares some of her gardening secrets. Thank you so much for joining us today, Priyanka. Before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and Aikheti? Sure. Um, so uh, I was born into a family of uh, nature lover and animal lovers. Uh, currently, we have about eight pets in total. So where I'm currently staying right now in Nasik, we have our own uh, private garden as well, a small garden uh, where we grow our own veggies. And uh, actually, we've been doing that for ages. So even when we were living in Mumbai, which is a very crowded city, uh, we had a small balcony where we grew uh, edibles for our own personal consumption. And that's actually how Aikheti started uh, over a dinner discussion. So Aikheti started in 2012. Uh, it's a unique enterprise with a social impact. It was started to promote a green and a healthy future with uh, everyone having access to fresh pesticide-free food from an uh, urban farm, which is less than two kilometers away from their place. And also to encourage people to live sustainable lifestyles. So uh, if you see, I stands for intention, innovation and integration, while Kheti stands for farming in Hindi. In short, uh, we help people to practice farm well for real by being the one-stop shop for urban farmers and gardeners. That is really awesome. And I also think very important, like you said, especially considering the current scenario around the climate crisis. So in your opinion, how important is urban gardening? Right. Um, so if you see urban agriculture or gardening, it's, it's been an informal activity so far but it actually has a lot of benefits. First, uh, it provides families in um, crowded metropolitan cities like Bombay uh, with a private green area, you know, as their lung space. Uh, it also makes available um, chemical-free fresh food right at their doorsteps, thereby reducing the dependence on the vegetable market. Uh, most of the people don't know that their food actually travels uh, about 80 to 100 kilometers before it reaches their food plate. So what urban agriculture does is that it helps to reduce the distance between the area of production and area of consumption, thereby encouraging people to live sustainable lifestyles. Also, it helps in offsetting the carbon emissions. Also, when uh, what I personally believe is that when gardening is done in harmony with nature, that is when we grow things organically, we also help to increase the biodiversity and preserve the ecosystem. So 
in basic words when you are growing things organically or without any chemicals you ensure you're not harming the bees the butterflies the birds which actually felicitate cross-pollination so every creature on this planet actually has a very important role to play and when we grow plants organically we actually help each creature to do exactly that so naturally the focus of this episode is um, indoor gardening but becomes especially relevant when we are in quarantine or our social distancing because of coronavirus. So before we sort of get into the tips and the tricks of gardening, um, when you're in a city, are there any plants that you can grow at home that help purify the air around you? Yeah, sure. There are quite a few. Uh People wouldn't know that and they wouldn't uh, really associate NASA with indoor plants. But they actually did a study in the late 80s on some plant abilities to purify the air. And some of the plants that actually made to the list were uh, your areca palm, your snake plant, Boston fern, peace lily, to name a few. And the most common one, which a lot of people would actually already have it at their place, but they are not aware of its uh, air purifying properties, is the money plant. So when you're just beginning, gardening can be a very daunting process, you know, because you're worried about the plant and how you're going to take care of it. So what indoor plants can be grown that are low maintenance? And uh, especially considering the fact that our listeners are from around the world, could you talk about different climates, say what can be grown in colder climates and what can be grown in slightly warmer regions? Um, So there are quite a few. But uh, the plant that actually requires the least maintenance and is also my personal favorite uh, is the snake plant. It is actually uh, one of the top most air purifying plant identified by NASA because it can remove about 107 air pollutants including carbon monoxide and nitrogen monoxide. So it's extremely resistant and it can go without water for days. So most of the people who do not have the time, this is an excellent plant to have indoors. The fun fact about this plant is that that it's also known as mother-in-law tongue. And can you guess the reason why? Because the way uh, it's shaped uh, and the sharp margin of its leaves. The other plant that I would suggest people is the aloe vera. uh, Because along with its medicinal properties, it's also has air purifying properties but uh, the thing is uh, it requires a lot of sunlight and very little water so I wouldn't suggest it for people living in the colder areas. What I can suggest to them is uh, Chinese evergreen or aglonema. The reason being um, it has a really beautiful large uh, lush green leaves. It's also available in green and pink colors. So a lot of people usually come to me and they um, ask me if they if there is any particular flowering plant which can grow indoors or maybe plants that have colors, right? So this is one of the plant which is available in beautiful colors, right? Red and pink. It's also a very low maintenance plant and uh, it can easily be added to your indoor forest. So what are the basic things that, you know, somebody who wants to buy a plant or who has just bought a plant, what are the basic things that they should keep in mind, uh, especially when it comes to um, first-time gardeners? So the most important point, um, you know, is your plant selection. A lot of people actually don't know the difference between uh, indoor plants and outdoor plants. So getting a plant which is actually suitable for indoors is very important. 
So someone will go outside, they'll pick up a flowering plant or an outdoor plant and they'll place it indoor and obviously it's not going to survive because it's not made for indoors. So plant selection is the most important point to consider. Uh, the second point that I usually suggest people is that even if you're, uh, you know, going for an indoor plant and it does not require a lot of sunlight to keep them under artificial light for better growth. Also, the biggest mistake that people do when it comes to indoor plants is that they water it frequently. Since there is no sunlight, you are keeping it indoors, the absorption of water is less and hence they don't have to water them more than once or twice a week. It's also very important whether you have any plant which is indoor or outdoor to fertilize them every two or three months depending on what kind of variety that you have chosen. Because the reason being, when you water your plants, all the essential nutrients, they get drained out of the uh, pot when you water it over a period of time. Hence, it becomes very essential to top it up with the essential nutrients after a couple of months. Uh, your company, IKT, encourages people to, uh, you know, grow plants in, a, in an organic manner without using pesticides or chemicals. Uh, but you often also encourage people to grow herbs or food. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So yes, I'll always encourage people to start growing herbs, especially if you are a first-time gardener. The reason being is uh, that uh, when you grow herbs, right, the chances of failure is low as compared to starting with veggies. Also, I suggest them to start with saplings of herbs rather than seeds. So what happens is when you start with the sapling, you get the harvest much faster. And as you would know, when people are usually starting off, they have very little patience. So they want something that's quicker and faster and something that they can easily see and consume immediately. So that's the reason I suggest people to start with saplings of herbs. Also, if you're starting off in cities, constrained cities like Mumbai especially, you can grow these herbs easily in your grills, your windows or even in small containers. That's because it does not require so much space as compared to your normal vegetables. So the main idea, as I said earlier, is to be self-sufficient and to reduce your dependence on the vegetable market. Also, what happens is once the people get into the habit of growing own produce, you know, and they start seeing and relishing it and they start using it uh, in their dishes, that's when I suggest them to shift to veggies or start with seeds because that takes about a period of two to three months. So once the motivation gets going, I tell them to shift to veggies or seeds. So few of the easy growing herbs that I usually suggest people is your, are your Italian basil, your mint, peppermint, bishop's weed, which is also known as ajwain in India, curry leaves, etc. Uh, well, just to clarify here, um, are these herbs for like warmer regions or colder regions or both? Uh, so like Italian basil, peppermint, uh, mint grows in, you know, they grow in all the region, all particular kind of climate, right? But if you're leave, uh, living in colder regions, you can also try thyme and rosemary. So what happens in colder region is usually people face a lot of uh, snow. You know, at that point of time, it becomes very difficult to take your plants indoors. 
right and to give them a conducive environment or a climate so people living in the colder region i would always suggest them if you are having any of the herbs growing outside uh, it's better to grow in containers because it becomes easier to shift on later on when you have your snowing season Now this one Priyanka comes from a very very personal space because I am a cereal plant killer. So what are the common you know mistakes that people make with their plants or more like how can people not kill a plant you know once they get it home? Okay that's a very common question you know a lot of people come to me and their first question is I don't mind buying it I don't mind taking care of a plant but first please tell me how do I not kill it. Uh so <laughs> So actually the most uh, biggest and the most common mistake that uh, people usually make is uh, overwatering their plants. Anything goes wrong with their plant and they think it has to do with water. And they'll take like buckets of water or mug full of water and they'll water their plants day in and day out. What people don't realize is that overwatering is way more harmful than underwatering. So when you overwater your roots rot and it becomes very difficult to revive your plants back and when you underwater what happens is your plant just withers away for a day or two and when you water it again it comes back to life so people actually need to understand first how much water does your plant require like i said if you're keeping it indoors you actually have to water your plant only once or twice a week but if it's in a very sunny spot you would have to water it every day so that's the biggest and the most common mistake that a person does few other mistake uh, that they make is um, you know choosing the right spot like i mentioned earlier it's very important to know the difference between an indoor plant and an outdoor plant so you know which plant requires sunlight and which doesn't again the third most important point that i would think is would be the drainage uh, there are a lot of people who come to me with uh, you know these ornamental ceramic pots and uh, they would already have a plant potted in it and uh, it would be almost into the verge of dying so the mistake that they do over there is that they have no drainage holes for their plants so you always have to ensure your pots have holes for proper drainage and if you have an or ornamental uh, or a ceramic pot where you think it's difficult to make a hole what you can do is you can take a smaller pot you know one size smaller than your ceramic pot and place it inside the ceramic pot so that way uh, the plant has a proper drainage system you've been in the business for very long now and you work with farmers as well you know so can you let us on some gardening tips and secrets that a lot of people don't know about uh, say how to make simple compost from vegetable waste right okay um so uh, before i get on to the composting part of it uh, like i said the most common mistake that a person does is with regards to watering i would like to share one of the secret related to that um what one can do is uh, actually place a pebble or a stone on top of the soil of your pot so in the evening what you would have to do is lift the pebble and check if it if it has dried up or it's still moist so if it has dried up you would have to add a little more water the next day but if it's muddy then you would have to reduce the amount of water the next day 
so the trick is that the pebble should be just moist or just wet but it shouldn't have soil sticking onto it so it's an easy way to know whether you know how much water your plant needs so that's a very important secret um, and a very easy one to follow as well i believe <laughs> So uh, like you spoke about composting, uh, especially uh, since I am from Mumbai, uh, I think composting is really very important uh, because uh, Mumbai actually generates about 9000 tons of waste daily. And I think uh, that's the scenario worldwide. The amount of waste that we are generating, uh, it's crazy, right? And uh, so the first and the most important point when it comes to composting is segregation. Though I believe it's already followed in a lot of countries all across the world, that's not the case in India, right? So I'm talking with respect to uh, taking into consideration all the countries. Uh, the first and the most important point is your segregation. So you have your wet waste, a biodegradable wet waste, and in your another bin, uh, you have your uh, non-biodegradable dry waste. An easy way uh, that you can go about is, um, if you have a old paint bucket or um, old bucket, any kind of bucket, right? Uh, at your place, you can use that for composting. It should be in two sizes. One would be a bigger size, which goes outside. And the smaller size uh, goes inside the bigger one. Drill a couple of holes on the, uh, you know, the bottommost part of your smaller bucket, right? and start filling in all your wet waste into the smaller bucket. The reason why we have drilled holes is for the excess uh, water that comes out your wet waste, you know, that gets drained out and it keeps on getting collected in your bigger bucket. Also, it helps with aeration. So simple rule when it comes to composting is ATM. A stands for aeration, T for temperature, and M is for your microorganisms or your moisture, right? So all you have to do is start collecting your wet food waste into the smaller bucket and keep on uh, rotating it with a stick every day. The reason being, like I said, aeration is very important. So you keep on rotating it every day. Along with it, when you add your wet waste, add a couple of dry waste also. So your dry waste would include your dried leaves, your shredded paper, Never put a whole paper inside it because it will form clumps because of the water that's there in your wet waste. So shredded paper, your twigs, whatever you find it in your garden. If that's not available, you can also add cocoa peat or your wood chips to it and mix it every day. So after a couple, like um, within about 15 to 20 days is when your bucket will get filled up. And in another 15 to 20 days, you will start seeing that your the waste, the waste that you have put inside the buckets, it starts decomposing and it turns into compost. So it's a very easy way to follow. Uh, the reason why we kept a bigger bucket outside is the water that gets collected from this compost, it's highly nutritious as well. It also adds as a declogging agent for your toilets. So always mix it with water 10 times add 10 times more water to it to the water that has been collected in the bigger bucket you can use it for your plant because it acts as a uh, soluble uh, nutrient or you can use it to declog your toilets as well 
Wow, this does sound like a little ecosystem, you know, within the household. Uh, you spoke about soluble nutrients that the plant needs and can be attained by making this compost. So are there any other liquids in and around the house that can be used uh, for watering the plant and are actually very, very good for uh, the soil as well? So definitely uh, this is, uh, you know, a uh, few of the people would find it uh, tiresome or time consuming to follow this procedure of making compost right so for those people um, uh, I would suggest is if you are cooking your vegetables um, you know or if you have uh, dried fruit peels around you can boil them you know and uh, remove the fruit peels or the vegetables out of it and use that water as uh, water soluble compost for your plants uh, the other thing that you can use is your leftover tea bags your coffee grounds and also eggshells so especially if you have a lot of flowering plants in your house these act as great nutrients for your plants thank you so much for joining us today priyanka um, and for sharing your knowledge with us and for giving us extremely simple things to begin with you know and simple things to keep in mind that can make a massive difference especially when um, you know gardening for the first time in your own balcony and a bigger thank you, of course, because um, I know it, this recording hasn't been the easiest for you. You told me earlier that because of uh, uh, coronavirus, you know, there have been lockdowns and you're stuck away from your family. Uh, so, yes, thank you so much. We're very grateful for your time and your knowledge that you shared with us today. Um, just a simple thing that I would want to add when we, uh, when we talk about... Uh you know, living sustainable lifestyles at IKT. Uh, what we mean that in simple words is that we want people to be actually less dependent on nature and work with nature instead. So these were few of the tips that we thought would be useful for the people. Uh, so their dependency on nature is quite less. Thank you so much. Here are Priyanka's top three tips to keep in mind while gardening. Tip number one, don't overwater your plants. Tip number two, ensure that you drill holes in the pot you use, no matter how pretty it looks. Tip number three, use leftover cooking water from vegetables or water from composting as a liquid fertilizer. Thank you for listening to Two Minutes to Midnight. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 2 Minutes to Midnight Podcast for the latest updates on the show.